2 Samuel. In 2 Samuel chapter 16, I'm already looking at 1 Kings and 2 Kings, <laughs> but uh, let's look at 1 Samuel tonight. Or 2 Samuel, I'm sorry, chapter 16. Let's look at a few ver uh, verses here, and we'll pray, and we will go to our lesson. And it says, verse uh, 1, it says, And when David was a, li uh, was a little, past the top of the hill, behold, uh, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of asses, send, uh, saddle, and upon, upon them 200 loaves of bread, and 100 uh, bunches of raisins, and 100 of summer fruit, and, uh, yeah, and a bottle of wine. And the king said to Ziba, What meanest thou by this? And Ziba said, The asses be for the king's household to ride on, and the bread and some of fruit for the young man to eat, and the wine that such be uh, uh, as be faint in the wilderness may uh, in the wilderness may drink. And the king said, And where is thy master's son? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he abideth at Jerusalem, for he said, Today shall the house of Israel restore my uh, restore me the kingdom of my father. Then said the king to Ziba, Behold, thine are all that pertain unto Mephibosheth. And Ziba said, I humble beseech thee that I may find grace in thy sight, my lord, O king. Let's pray heavily. Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Lord, as we go through it, uh, help me, Lord, to teach it. And uh, give us hearts, Lord, open our hearts so we can learn, apply it to our lives. And, Lord, there is a, a title today, Lord, that trouble on every side, Lord, sometimes that's the way life is. We wake up one morning and it's trouble on every side. And, Lord, so is the life of David at this point. Whenever he turned, it was trouble. Lord, help us to learn from the example here of what this passage teaches us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, trouble on every side. Did you ever been there? You woke up in the morning and there's trouble. <laughs> it don't matter where you turn to, it's trouble. You get out of the house, trouble. You go back in the house, trouble. You, you drive uh, away from the house, trouble. Uh, and the day goes on, and by the end of the day, still trouble. You ever been in those days? I had those days. <laughs> I had those days. Trouble on every... I think all of us here can say, I've been there, I've been there. I had those days of trouble on every side. Like Saturday. I didn't have trouble, but I was frustrated all day. I don't know why. I think I was my lack of sleep, but I was like, the Lord just get me through the day. But it was, I smile all day, believe me. <laughs> but it was like unease all day long. I don't know what it was. But imagine trouble on every side. Let me give you a little story here. There was a couple who lived in, on this particular island who were very curious and desirous to explore the coast of that island. So they rented a boat with the tour guide, uh, somebody that knew the, the ocean, of course, to explore the island. The day came, of course, that they would go out, and which uh, they got uh, in a boat, and both were very excited about looking forward to have a good experience exploring the island's coast. So as they, were, they left port, the waters were very calm. The sun was up and hot, the way I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Can't stop thinking about Nancy where they're going, I like the cold. And now I like that. 
So everything was just perfect for a good day of exploring the island. So the boat captain informed them that they could go inside the boat and relax, uh, had some breakfast and coffee, and so they could start the exploration after that. So just you guys go relax, so to speak. So a couple, the couple were very grateful and did, as the captain said. They went inside the boat and were there for some time, having a good time talking and eating and uh, talking about what they're going to find in the island. And uh, as they began to notice, the, the boat was rocking back and forth, and, uh, and uh, rocking became very violent. So they decided to come out of the boat, very concerned, and they asked the captain, what is going on, captain? The captain re replied, we are having trouble on every side. Hang on for your life. Come, <laughs> go back inside the boat and stay there because we are in deep trouble. So folks, so is life, isn't it? So is life. Sometimes we wake up in the morning and it is trouble on every side. doesn't mean that you made the trouble. Trouble just came to meet you, you know, just keep knocking your door. You got a phone call, trouble. You got a text message, trouble. You got an email, trouble. You don't want to look at these things anymore. Then you walk out the door, trouble. Imagine you say, oh, life is good, and you, and you miss a step, and then you go boom, boom in the yard, you know. Then you uh, get up, and you slipped on a, on a banana peel, and there you go down, a couple more scratches. Then you go to the car, you got a flat tire. And, it, you know, the list goes on all day. I'm just ex exaggerating. But anyway, and the list goes on all day long. So it happens, folks. There are sometimes we wake up, like I said, in the morning, there's trouble on every side. And like a nightmare, we say, what happened to the sunshine? What happened to the calm sea? What happened here? Why so much trouble? It is amazing. That reminds me of the life of Job, right? Job suddenly is praying for his kids, and suddenly the trouble came from everywhere. So it is amazing how life is constantly drawing, drawing us curveballs. We, we quietly, quietly mind our own business, going uh, with our everyday life, and without any warning, we get a curveball thrown at us. Life is not fair, some say. Many people say life is not fair. Folks, life is a battle every day. That's the reality. It's problems and problems and problems, and you keep resolving, resolving, resolving. You know, you pay the bills and you say, oh, praise the Lord, I pay all my bills. Hang on, because they're coming back again. <laughs> they're coming back again. And sometimes they come a little bigger than, the, you know, the previous one. So now as we look at, the, at our text tonight, we see David, the king of uh, Israel, who suddenly find himself with trouble on every side. Suddenly the sunshine, uh, the calm seas, the every... Uh, the, and everything else gave away to trouble in the heart and mind of David. Every road was closing to him because of trouble. It was a reason on which David had act quick and, and to stand up and to defend, to defend himself because there was trouble on every side. So let us look at this message tonight, trouble on every side from several points. You know, I think we can name, take some things for us here tonight because life comes at us this way. I mean, I'm kind of, kind of being a little silly, but, uh, but I'm telling you, the reality of life is that. There are days on which we wake up, and it's nothing but trouble. And sometimes the days, sometimes our days of trouble are, are worse than other days. You know, sometimes we, we get really emotionally distressed, and, and sometimes physically hurt and all that, but trouble comes. So let's look at David here, what he experienced that day. 
Number one, we see deception. Deception. On that day, uh, on, this, on, on this day, I'm sorry, uh, David was in exile. He was running, of course, because Absalom is coming after him. So he's running out of the city. And he finds this guy, Zebo, right here. He wasn't, this guy was not a stranger. He's not a stranger to us. We met him before, back in chapter 9, when David showed great kindness uh, to, the, to the cripple Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be a good sport without glasses, but I can't see what I'm reading. <laughs> I, I really can't. I don't. Okay, that's much better. I try to be a good sport because I think I look a little like an old man with the glasses. Right, Brother Rosado? <laughs> so Ziba, Ziba was there. Uh, was then, uh, 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 of course, he was taken. He was the servant of Mephibosheth. He was taken care of them. So David trusted him along with his, with, with his fifteen sons and twelve servants to manage his household. So it is, it is this Ziba, uh, Ziba, I'm sorry, uh, who, uh, who now shows up again in a quite different opportunity here. He shows he's not the same guy that we see back in chapter 9. So having been forced to flee the city quickly, it would have been difficult for David, I believe, servants to load up sufficient resources for all those leave, leaving the, the city. So they likely had some supplies, but barely enough, probably depending how fast they left the city uh, to, to get out of there. So the Bible tells us that Zib, Zib in verse 1, who, who brings donkeys, bread, raisins, uh, fruit, and wine. David asked him why he brought such a stuff. And but, uh, uh, in a, but instead of answering the question, Zib, uh, uh, um, I'm sorry, uh, I lost my spot here. Instead of asking the question, I'm sorry, Ziba explains the purpose behind each of, of the items that he brought him. So he, he, he avoids the question. So David in verse 3 asks another, another question again, and where is your master's son? I mean, where is Mephibosheth? Where is, you, where is he? Why are you here? Why is he not here? Now, we know Mephibosheth is crippled. But by asking this, David is referring to Mephibosheth and, and really asking, what is the meaning of all this stuff that you try to give me? So I know you're servant, you are a servant of a, to another. Where is the owner of all these supplies? He's, he's asking pretty much. Well, and I, I know that, that, that this stuff is not yours. Ziba answered twofold. First, he says to Mephibosheth, uh, is back in Jerusalem, and this was right. Uh, 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 um, I'm sorry, uh, and was right. He was he, he was not there with him. Secondly, Ziba adds something that would uh, put Mephibosheth in a bit trouble right here. Look what he said in verse three. For he said, "Today shall the house of Israel restore me the kingdom of my father." What is he doing here? Mephibosheth. I mean, Ziba was actually throwing Mephibosheth under the bus right here. He is, he is deceiving David. He has a purpose. Remember, people with agendas right here. So David's mind is, I need to get out of the city so all these people with me don't die because of my son. He's after me, and many people, innocent people can die. He's not thinking straight. He's, he's kind of asking him questions, and he falls for it. Deceiving, this guy comes and deceives here. So what is Ziba up to? Plain and simple, he's trying to get getting good wit with David by deception. He shows up, and in just the right time, given the, the appearance of generosity, while throwing his master under the bus here. It, it seems Zibel, right, he is no longer content to be the manager, but desires to be the master in his right, in, in his right and thinks getting on David's good side will go a great length to the end. 
So, well, in verse 4, down further question, David accepts Ziba's words and gives everything that belongs to Mephibosheth to him. We see right here, David doesn't think straight. He is deceived, and he gives everything. Look what it says in verse 4. Then said the king, that said, said the king to Ziba, Behold, thine are all that pertaineth unto Mephibosheth. Talking about deception here. David... That is the first sign of trouble. No, first sign was his son, of course. But he runs out of the city, and this guy is in the right place and the right moment with the right ingredient to deceive him. That can happen to us, too. That can happen to us. You know, we mind our own business, and deception is at the door, or deception is down the street. You know, it happens. So the the state of Mephibosheth, uh, uh, as important as it was, it does not even uh, close to a pressing matter at the moment. It was it was uh, it was as if David just agreed with a quick because he got a larger things to think about or to worry about. So Mephibosheth took advantage of David's situation here and deceived the king. Talking about now, deception is always around us, isn't it? And maybe, may we learn from David tonight uh, that deception comes in many different forms. We live in a world full of lies, folks. Full of lies and liars. We live, that's the world we live in. Full of lies and liars. And they all have an agenda. I'm not saying that everybody's, I mean, that everybody's coming to you to lie. There's a lot of honest people in our world. But I'm saying our world is full of liars. Uh, so, what we see here... Uh, and they, they come to deceive with the, they come they come with many sources. They are lying spirits who lay astray. They are evildoers and impostors out there looking for uh, uh, things like this to deceive you and me. So letter A, deception. Uh, we got deception. Deception from Satan. Deception is something very real and familiar to us. We either been deceived before, or someone will deceive us tomorrow. And of course, Satan is a great deceiver, and we must be on guard because this dude is for real. Number one, he will target your mind. That's what he will do. He will target your mind. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 11.3. But I fear, least by any means, as the serpent beguile Eve through, the, uh, through his sub, uh, simply, and so your, your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So when Satan wanted to lead the first man and woman into sin, he started by attacking the woman's mind. This is made very uh, made clear for us in 2 Corinthians eleven three. Why should Satan would attack your mind? Because your mind is the part of the image of God, where God communicates with you and me and reveals His will to you and me. It is unfortunate that some Christians have minimized the significance of the mind because the Bible emphasizes that it is very important. So what he does, he attacks the mind. He makes you doubt. He begins, comes with these smooth words. He makes, he whispers in your ears to try to get, and he does. We came to, he came to Eve and he questioned Eve. To the point that Eve got deceived. So did Adam. So number two, we see, he will come as an angel of light. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, and And, and now marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into, into an angel of light. Talking about deception. His, his determination is to deceive as many as he can. Uh, uh, is, is so strong that he can even disguise himself as an angel of light. 
What it means is that he will come as one who seemed to be good. He seemed to, do, to, uh, to want to do good to others. But behind the mask, he is evil and wicked. His ultimate goal is to kill and to destroy. That's what Jesus said. He comes to kill and to destroy. But he comes as an angel of light many times to deceive as many as he can. So we have to watch for this guy. So number three, he will convince you with his lies. Talking about lying, look what it says. It is important that you notice the steps Satan took in getting Eve to believe his lie. Letter A, the little sub-point there. He questioned God's word. Look what it says in Genesis 3.1. Yea, had God said, he shall not eat of every tree of the garden. See, is a question mark there. As God said, yea, as God said, I can imagine the way the voice came about. Hey, as God said, I don't know how it goes about, how the tone of the voice, but it was enough to change the mind of the person. So he did not... He did not deny that God had spoken. He simply questioned whether God had really said, and Eve, and even Eve thought he, uh, he had said. So perhaps you misunderstood what God said or spoke. Is Satan's suggestion here? You owe it to yourself to rethink what he said. He tried. He, he, he tried the same approach with our Lord in the wilderness. If you are the Son of God. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, he said, was that three times he tempted Jesus? If you are the Son of God, do this. I mean, do this. You know what? And Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. So he comes to you and me and he tried to deceive the mind. Let it be. He denied God's word. Look what it says in verse 4 of Genesis 3 4. It says, He shall not surely die. He denied God's word when God said, He will die. Didn't God say, You will die? He says, You won't die. It is but a, a short step from questioning God, God's word to deny it. Of course, neither Adam nor Eve had seen death, and they had to go on as the, as the, uh, as the word of God. Uh, but, but this was all they needed. If Eve had to listen to Satan's questions, uh, 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 questioning God's word, she should never ever fall into the trap when, he deni when he, she denied God's word. So, when, when, if Satan, I mean, if Eve would resist with the, the, the temptation, she would listen to what God said, but she did not. She was deceived by Satan. He began to use the same words back in a different tone. Enough to deceive. Let us see. He substituted his own lie. Look at verse, uh, Genesis 3, 5 says, He shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Adam and Eve were already made in the image of God, but Satan tempted them with an uh, Eve, uh, even greater privilege to be like God. This was, of course, Satan's great ambition when he was Lucifer, God's angelic servant. So that was his greatest ambition, and he throws that to Eve, and, uh, and, the, and Eve believes that. She got deceived. Let it be. Deception from the world. We see the, the deceptions come from Satan. Secondly, from the world. Look what it says in, actually, go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, 16, and 17. We have, see, we have deception from, the, from Satan. Now we have deception from the world. Look what it says there. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Listen, folks, don't misunderstand this. It's not the planet that he's talking about here. He's talking about the world system. 
not the planet. God gave us a beautiful planet with beautiful ocean and mountains and trees for us to enjoy. All right? That's God's creation. We are to enjoy and say, wow. We look up and say, praise the Lord. Now, the system that we're talking about here. So for all that is in the world is the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the loss thereof, but he that doeth the will of God uh, abideth forever. So have you ever been deceived by someone? I don't mean uh, lied to, I mean someone really pull, uh, pull it on you and deceived you intentionally. I've been deceived. Somebody called me one time, and I fell like, as I said, I never fall again. I fell. I bought a credit card, and I went up giving my credit card number. And I, as soon as I give the credit card number, this guy cursed me on the other side. And I knew I was deceived. I, and I was like, wow. I get out of the phone. I call my credit card immediately and cancel the card. I didn't, he, he got me good. He, 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 he gave me the first numbers of the card, which I didn't understand. Uh, if you have a, a certain a visa or discover, or the, they already know the first numbers of the card. I was innocently just fell to it. And I got deceived. Wow. What a, what, I felt so bad. Like, I felt like somebody dirtied me. You know, like you feel like, oh, I was not feeling well at that, at that point. Feel cheated by someone like that. But, you, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about here. Uh, so perhaps, uh, uh, I mean, I believe all of us have been at one time. If you didn't, good for you. But I, I have. I experienced that. This makes me think of the Chronicles of Narnia movie. Have you, you ever watched the Chronicles of Narnia? I think everybody watched. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, based on C.S. Lewis' book right here. The villain in the movie was the White Witch, and she had uh, taken over Narnia. What, uh, what was one of the beautiful and lost land and now became a place where it was always winter but never Christmas. Interesting. Under her control. In a sense, uh, we, uh, uh, we were introduced there to, to the White Witch, one, uh, one of the four siblings who, who were to, to, uh, to become the savior of Narnia. And of course, uh, 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 she didn't tell young Edmund Rhea, she planned, rather, she flattered him by telling him that he would make a great king, and perhaps he was there, he was, he was uh, to bring her, sibling, her, her siblings too, to, to back to Narnia. Remember that? He believed everything she said. She, he was so deceived. Uh, and everything she said, it was like gold to him. Talking about deception. So the white wish, uh, but only after it was too late, and he and his siblings found themselves in a dire need to rescue by... Uh, uh, is I think Aslam, Aslam, yeah, the Messiah-like hero of the story. So you got, we were familiar with this. I like that series. It was a good series. I don't promote movies, but that was a good one. <laughs> so if you were familiar with C.S. Lewis in this, in this book series, you would know that he was a, uh, he was a Christian author who sought to write about spiritual realities uh, through fiction, uh, children's stories. So when John used the term world here, he, he has something uh, specific in mind. He's not talking about, like I said, the physical world, the, the, the earth. He's, he's, also, he's, he's, not, he's talking about the system on which we live in. But in, inside the system, there are people who purposely will come and deceive you. They have an agenda. Listen, folks, they, 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 they use phone calls. They use all kinds of things to get you to slide and, and to believe their lies. They come and try to deceive you. 
So when, uh, when John, like I said, when John used this word, so, so the world in the Bible is, uh, 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 I'll go down a little here a little bit. So John tells us not to, not to love the world, and, get, and he gives us two reasons. First, found in verse 16, is that everything that belongs to the world is not from the Father. We have to understand that the world is, is, is competing for our love, and we cannot love both the world and the Father at the same time. So this world is competing for our love. This world wants us to love the world, and God wants us to love Him. So you cannot divide your hearts in two. Even Jesus talks about that. We cannot love both because they are oppositions. If we love one, we must hate the other. John says this in verse 15. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So what does it mean for us to love the world? John spells out, out, uh, that out for us in three descriptions found in verse 16. It refers to the loss of the, uh, the flesh, the loss of the eyes, and the pride of life. Or the lifestyle. So there are, these are three schemes that Satan used to trap Christians. These, the same three things are, no, uh, are how Satan trip up Eve in the garden as well. So let us see. We see deception from within. So we see deception from Satan. We see deception from the world. Now we see deception from within. Self-deception is a common in our, in our falling world. Our own hearts are deceitful many times. So much that we easily fool ourselves. Look what it says in Jeremiah chapter uh, 17 verse 9. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Isaiah 44 20 says, He feeded on ashes, uh, deceived heart, and turned him aside. And he cannot deliver his soul, no say, Is there not a lie, a lie in, in my right hand? So the prophet Obadiah testifies, Arrogance as one of the roots of self-deception. Self the pride of, our, of your heart has deceived you. That's Obadiah 1.3. So human pride always blinds us of the truth. It promises honor, but it delivers disgrace. Pride grows before destruction, the Bible says. And an haughty spirit before fall, Proverbs 16.18. So self-deception is illustrated tragically by Simpson. This mighty hero of Israel disclosed the secret of, of his strength to the lion who betrayed him to his enemies as he slept. So Samson learned the hard way that forgetting the word of God is a form of self-deception. So we have, what we have? We have Satan try to deceive us. We have the world try to deceive us. And we have the old man within us capable of deceiving us. And all three are against us. So, trouble on every side. Talking about trouble on every side. We have to stand firm every day. It's like, you know, today the sun is shining. The birds are flying and singing, but I'm on guard. <laughs> you know, put the whole arm of God on. So, anyway. Number two. Point number two. We see mockery. Mockery. Look there, verse 15 of our text, verse 5 of our text. And when uh, King David came to, uh, uh, what's this word, brother? Burim? Burim. We go Burim, anyway. <laughs> Behold, then came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name is Shemai, and the son of Jareth. He came forth and cursed still as he came. And he cast stones at David. 
And all the, all, and all the servants of, the, of, of King David, and all the people, and all the mighty men were, were uh, on his right hand and on the left. And thus said Shemel, uh, when he cursed, come out, come out, you bloody man, thou son of Belial. Listen, folks, this guy, this guy stands up and curses the king. Talking about trouble in every side. We got one that deceived him right down the street, right? Okay, so uh, let's say David gets out of the city. You know, he comes to the first stop sign. Then it is deception. Then he turns right at the stop sign. He goes to the red light. He got somebody mock, mocking him left and right. And, you know, you, you know if, you, if you go to Florida, you know, and the red lights take about half an hour. So imagine David at the red light for half an hour. Listen to this guy going on and on, calling him all kinds of names. It, that's not easy to swallow. That's not easy to swallow. Think about it. No, think about it. All right. So. You mind your own business, right? You know, you get out of your house, okay? You go get in your car. Oh, you get in your car. You go to the stop sign. There's three cars in front of you. Here comes your neighbor. Boom, deception. And you fall for it. And you go out, you know, don't feel good about yourself. You turn right, you go up the street, red light. Let's say it's five or six cars in there. Here comes another neighbor, another somebody, total strength, blah, 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 blah. Try to mock you, make all kinds of things. Like, How do you feel about that? I think I feel too good. Well, that's David. Poor guy right here, and he go up the street, and he has a whole, this guy's throwing stones at him. He's cursing him, calling him all kinds of names. Folks, life can be, can be good sometimes, but some other times, it's just trouble on every side. It don't matter where you turn, trouble is there. And David is experiencing just that that day. It, it is one obstacle after another. One deception it goes to full, uh, from deception, I'm sorry, he goes to full mockery. And this man, shaming right here, does not hold nothing back. He publicly, look at this, he humiliates the king. Talking about humiliation right here. The trouble continues for David. This time is a man named Shaman right here. He was, uh, he was close to David, uh, the relative of King Saul. And he says, uh, he, he says he's, uh, I'm sorry, he's a madman here, and he tells everything, I mean, that was on mine. So fuming mighty, to be, uh, to be more appropriate, uh, as he, the overflow of great, of great rage right here against David. So how does it flow? What does he do? my hands are full of stones, and I wonder if he hit, da hit David with those stones. And his mouth full of cursing, he calls David a man of blood, a worthless man. So apparently this man knew exactly what the Lord was doing to David. He was not only uh, uh, paying David back for spilling much blood in Saul's family, he was, he was rejecting David, taking the kingdom from him, and giving it to Absalom. So in what had to be, uh, 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 this man, instead of helping David here, what he does, he curses the king, he calls him all kinds of names, and he tells him things that are not so, but anyway, but... Why David doesn't kill him? Because one of, the, one of his guys said, actually asked David for that. So this man was verbally humiliating and abusing David with his words. He was speaking to the king of Israel with great disrespect. These words are so verbally humiliating that even one of David's men had to say something. Look what it says in verse 9. Then said Abishai unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and I take off his head. This guy was so had it. He had it, and he said to David, listen, I go over there, and I take his head off his neck, because I cannot tolerate this guy. 
You're talking about, how would, listen, I don't know how David put up with that. But think about it. Imagine, you bought like, let's say, I'm exaggerating, half an hour at the red light, and this guy is, ba-boom, ba-boom, keep going. What do you do? So let A, we see the seriousness, seriousness of verbal abuse. Let's look at this about verbal abuse right here. The seriousness of verbal abuse. Look, at, uh, we're going to see this in, uh, actually, go to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. So the Bible does not use the term verbal abuse. You don't see that in the Bible, okay? But it has much to say about the power of words. All right? Let's go. Let's embark on this thing right here. Are words powerful? Yes. You can, you can be a great encourager with words. You can. You can be a great encourager with words. You can, you can build people up with words. You can be, I mean, you ever see great speakers? I mean, talking about President Clinton. Remember him? You know how, what got him the presidency? He was a smooth talker. He was a smooth talker. That guy could talk and make you like, oh, yeah, yeah. And you go right away. He was a good, good talker. This guy. So the power of words, but also words not only does that, words can destroy people. So it can go either way. Look what it says in Proverbs 18.21. That and life are in the power of where? The tongue. And they that love, love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So verbal abuse is one weapon in the arsenal of emotion abuse. While the tactics of abuse are many, the ultimate goal is to gain control over someone in order to, to establish dominion over the person or persons, however that is. This guy right here is verbally abusing the king. He's verbally abusing him. He's, not, he, he's like he's using all the, the words that, that he's purpose, purposely what he's trying to do is to hurt the king. He's verbally abusing him uh, with his words purposely to hurt him. Throw stones at him. That's physical abuse, right? He's throwing stones at him, and he, he's, he's throwing words at him. He's trying to get a reaction from the king. He's purposely doing that. So... Verbal abuse is not the occasional flare after a bad day or, or a, a temporary lack of verbal or self-control or just somebody that have an argument. That's not what it is. Uh, on a tense moment, it constitutes a, a psychological violence. It means verbal abuse is a habitual sin that, that seldom goes away on a zone. It can potentially escalate, listen to this, into physical abuse. So I, I took this out of a medical thing, and I didn't take this out of my head, okay? So uh, verbal abuse c could include angry. Uh, th th that's what I got out of the, this doctor, uh, uh, this site. That's it, what it says. This is what, what categorizes verbal abuse, all these things. It, it, it could include angry, outbursts, screaming, swearing, ridicule, uh, uh, name-calling, blaming, accusations, criticism, threats, uh, a mockery, manipulation, uh, uh, put down words, shaming, uh, twisting words, uh, rewriting history, and attacking personal cap uh, character. So, uh, convert verbal abuse is more subtle and and uh, and, 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 and hid many times. So, it, so that, that's what we see right here about what I got from this. So, over the long term, I think this is in your outline. Any kind of abuse can leave, can leave the victim feeling uncertain, unable to make decisions, and drain in a sense of, of personhood or value. 
the victim begins to accept the blame and believe and believe the crushing words they are convincingly and repeatedly thrown at him. The person begins to believe that. Well, that's exactly what happened to David. David believed the words. And, and began, if we're going to see what David says here. So the old, uh, uh, the old uh, uh, saying, stick and bone, uh, sticks and bones can break, can't break, a, uh, I'm sorry, sticks and stones can't, can't break a bone, uh, uh, but words can never hurt me. It's not true. Abusive language has a deep, long-lasting effect that can pierce like swords. The Bible contrasts healthy and unhealthy verbal communication. God knows our weakness and has given us His word to teach us how to use words in our life given away. I think we should use godly vocabulary, godly words, constructed words every day. Listen, sometimes we lose it. All of us lose it, right? But it doesn't mean that we are, that's what we do every day. You follow? That's what, what, this, what I'm trying to tell you here. Uh, you got to a thing or disagreement on this. That's normal day life. That's, don't, don't think that's... But verbal abuse is deeper than that. It's like a, a, a sickening thing. So this guy right here is, is not only is physically attacking the king, and he's verbally attacking the king. So let it be. We see the power of words. The power of words. Look at Luke 6, 45. It says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringing forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil tread of his heart, bringing forth that which is evil. So for the balance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. So we see the power of words. So words, the words we speak reflect what is going on inside of our minds and hearts. So God, God's heart uh, on, on the subject of how we use our words is evident in Scripture. There is no question about the seriousness of the effects of the hearer, of this, uh, a speaker of a violence, of abusive words. So when the words of, uh, of others have hurt us, we can find healing in the true words of God. When we have hurt others with our words, we can find forgiveness in God and should also seek it from those we, uh, we have harmed. So those who have been victims or, or seriously of physical abuse or verbal abuse may need, may need the help of a counselor or a pastor or, or, or medical attention about that. So there are uh, people like that uh, in our world. You, uh, you like this guy right here. You literally, there's David, stop at the red light. And what happens here? We have a man that physically attacking the king and verbally attacking the king. Okay, let's look here. I think I, it is a verse here. I go back to, we go back to our, let's see if I can find that verse on which uh, David responds back. It is in, a, we might get to that, and which David said to let him, let him alone because he wants to kill him, but said let him alone. I think actually is the next verse. Let's see if I get to see mockery. I just went out of my space. Just hang, hang there a little second there. Let's look there. Let's see. Is that verse 11? Thank you, brother. Let's see, verse 11. Okay, and David said to Abishai, yeah, it is. And to all of his servants, behold my son, which came forth uh, of my bowels, seek my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone. Let him, let him curse. Let him curse. For the Lord had bidden him. 
You see, he, he just give them to God. David, you can tell that he's really down on himself right here. But it's interesting what David says right here. The other guy's ready to get rid of him. Number three. Here goes David down the street. He passes the red light. The light turns green. David goes down the street. Here goes the next one. We see betrayal. Betrayal. Talking about trouble on every side. First, deception. Second, we see the other one there. And next one, we see betrayal. Look what it says. David woke up that day, and it was trouble on every side. He ran for his life from place to place, was deceived by Seba, then mocked uh, or verbally abused by Shemai, and now betrayed by Absalom. Look what it says in verse 15 and 16. And Absalom and all the people, uh, and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem and uh, Ashaphel with him. And it came to pass when Heshai, the Urchite, uh, David's friend, was come unto Absalom, uh, Absalom, that uh, Heshai said unto Absalom, God save the king, God save the king. We see betrayal here. Betrayal is a gross violation of trust. It can be one of the most devastating forms of pain inflicted upon a human being. You believe that? Betrayal, I think, is one of the worst things that one person can do to another. I believe so. I, I, I seriously believe so on this. The suffering of betrayal is often mag magnified by a sense of or being vulnerable and, and exposed. That person, that person did something that exposed the other person's privacy. For many, the pain of betrayal is worse than physical violence, deceit, or prejudice. Betrayal destroys the foundation of trust. So David was no stranger to betrayal. Actually, go to, go to Psalm chapter 55, verse 12. It is amazing what David goes on in one day right here. He goes to deception, then mockery, then right now betrayal. Look what it says in Psalm 55, 12. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it, neither was he that hated me, that did magnify himself against me, then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, O, my, uh, o man, mine equal, my, my God and my acquaintance. He took sweet counsel together and walked and walked into the house of God in company. The closer the relationship, folks, the greater pain of betrayal. Jesus knew the pain of betrayal firsthand. The worst, most treacherous betrayal of all time was Judas betraying Jesus with 30 pieces of silver and a kiss. That's what he did to Jesus. He came and he kissed him, but he's betraying him. He sold as, God, as Lord for 30 pieces of silver. But Jesus did not become vindictive, bitter, or angry. Just the opposite. After receiving the traitor's kiss, Jesus addressed Judas as a friend. Go to Matthew chapter 26, verse 50. So folks, it's not how people can treat us the way they want to treat us, and they're going to. It's how we respond. Look at the example of Jesus here. Matthew uh, 26, 50. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. So despise the pain, there is a way we can overcome betrayal. The power comes directly from God and the strength of forgiveness. When you find trouble on every side, what should we do? Look, look what, what did David do? David was deceived. I, David, David realized he was deceived. Did he send anybody after this guy? No. 
David suffered mockery. Did David did anything about it? He said, leave him alone. Then we see David being betrayed right here by his son and by his, one of his best friends. He did not react. So despise the pain. What should we do about this whole thing? Letter A. When do we do, what do we do when we, we know we've been betrayed? Cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. Look what it says there in 1 Peter 3, 9. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessings, knowing they are, are, are there to call that he should inherit the blessing. So we may want to strike out and be, be, get even. We should. We should cry out, cry out to God. I think, folks, the worst thing, not the worst thing, that, that's wrong words. The hardest thing for us to do is to pray for those who hurt us. It is. To, to just go to the Lord and, and, and even mention their names when we've been hurt deeply. That's a hard thing to do. Imagine being betrayed. Betrayal is not a good thing. Another key in overcoming the pain of betrayal is to remember Jesus' example. Our sinful nature impels us to repay evil with evil, but Jesus taught us otherwise. Look what it's, Go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 39. Jesus give us the example how we deal with people that do that to us. Is it hurtful? Yes. Is it painful? Yes. Is it hard to deal with? Yes. But look what, what Jesus said to us in Matthew 5.39. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whatsoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Folks, let me put it this way. Humanly speaking... If somebody slap you on the right cheek, you turn the other side and say, hey, hit me on the other side. Go on, honestly. Who does that? Who does that? It is a very hard thing to do, but Jesus said, that's what I want you to do. Somebody hit you on this side, turn the other side. Look what it says in Matthew 44. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Lord, that's the hard thing, a hard thing to do. Love my enemies. Yeah, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Somebody cursed King David right there. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despisely use you and persecute you. When Jesus was abused, he did not return abuse. 1 Peter 2.23 says, Who when he was reviled, reviled not against. When he suffered, he threatened not but committed himself to him that judges righteously. You know what we do? We give them to God. God, the Lord says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, say it to the Lord. We give it to him. So Lord, because you know what? When we do that, we don't allow bitterness and resentment to grow here. Because it's easy when somebody hurts us that, you know, somebody uh, uh, deceive you, somebody betray you, somebody mock you, uh, uh, publicly, and it's easy to let bitterness and, and resentment grow here. But when we give it to God and say, Lord, you take care of them, those things don't grow here, and you go on serving the Lord with joy and gratitude of heart. Now, you say, Pastor, it's easy for you to say, no, it's not. It is hard to do. I'm a human being just like you are. 
So we should conform to his example by now repaying abuse for abuse, including the abuse of betrayal. Believers are to do good even to those who harm them. Please know that this, that this does not mean pro, uh, proper criminal justice in cases of abuse, uh, business violation, and we can go on and on and on. Evildoers got to be punished, of course. So, however, seeking of such justice should not be motivated, a motivated desire of vengeance. So number two, we see the ability to forgive. The powerful key in overcoming bitterness of betrayal is our God-given ability to forgive the betrayer. So the word forgive includes the word give. Listen to this. This is very unique. When we choose to forgive someone, we actually give that person a gift. You got that? The freedom from personal retaliation. But you are also giving yourself a gift. A grudge-free life. Got that? You want me to, re me to repeat that? So the word, the word forgiveness include, includes the word give. When we choose to forgive someone, we actually give that person a gift. The freedom from personal retaliation. But you are also giving yourself a gift. A grudge-free life. Trading our bitterness and anger for the love of God is a wonderful life-given exchange. You know what? I wonder how my two enemies there at the workplace think of me. Today I was singing all day. <laughs> like, you know, I don't, listen, folks, I don't do that purposely. I don't do that to provoke anyone. I just love, love to sing. I, I was all sing. I'm praising the Lord. You know, you send me a text and you have a song in there, I might end up singing for the day. Believe me. You know, like, a lot of people say, hey, I'm going to text pastor with many songs. <laughs> no, it's just, sometimes, you know, you know, sometimes you just think of something, you end up singing, and you keep singing. You know, sometimes, you know, that's what happens. But, I mean, to like today, I, I sing most of the day. Yesterday, same thing, too. I was singing El Shaddai. You know that song? El Shaddai, El Shaddai. I was singing all day long. As I kept going with the same song, I was like, I got to stop this. Five minutes later, I find myself singing the same song. Where's the blessing? Praising the Lord. Anyway, God knows. But anyway. So, so trading our bitterness and anger for the love of God is a wonderful life-giving exchange. Listen, folks. Life is too short to live with bitterness and resentment. Believe me. Life is too short. You were a kid the other day, weren't you? So, so much that you don't even want to remember your birthday anymore. <laughs> Well, I'm going to have my birthday in a few weeks. I'm only 35, but anyway. <laughs> so without question, without question, it is enormously difficult to forgive a person who has betrayed our trust. It is. It is only possible with God. It is, it is the, the, the Lord who gives us the grace to grant such people forgiveness. Those who have experienced God's love understand what it means to be unconditionally forgiven. Now, listen how Absalom betrayed his own father, on which the king of, uh, uh, which was the king of Israel. Can you imagine? I can just, can you imagine the pain of that father when you have a son try to dethrone his own father? Look what it says there in, uh, in verse 22. Look how, how bad it got. It says, So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house, and Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. 
And the council of Ahithophel, Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, as if, as, uh, was if uh, a man and inquired as, uh, at the oracles of God. And so uh, all the council of Ahithophel, both with David, uh, uh, both with David and, and with Absalom. So you see how bad it got? Can you imagine how that father left that uh, palace? He left the palace, so he's already troubled. He goes to the first stop sign. The seat is there. He goes to the next, to the, to the next red light. And he already have mockeries waiting. Then he goes to the next one down the street. He has betrayal waiting for him. Trouble on every side. Isn't that sometimes the way our day goes? Our day goes like this sometimes. We wake up in the morning, and as soon as we go out the door, trouble on every side. I'll conclude with this. David, the king of Israel, suddenly finds himself with trouble on every side. Suddenly the sunshine gave way to clouds and rain. Every road was closing on him because of trouble. It was a season in which David had to act quick, had to stand up, had to defend himself because there was trouble on every side. What we do, I think, when we're... When no, I don't think. When, when, it comes, when trouble comes on every side, I think we need to run to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. Because troubles will come. I'll tell you what. When you get up in the morning, honestly, when you get up in the morning, you never know what the day may bring, right? We don't know what the day may bring. We don't know what people we're going to face throughout the day. We have no idea. No idea. But those days come on which we see trouble on every side. So the same comes to all of us at one time or another. And in those days, we, are, we need to remember that there is a God who loves us and cares about us and knows exactly what we're facing. I don't think that God was, a, was, was like, uh, not, didn't know what David was going through. God knew exactly what David was going through. Was going through. And God knows when you and I have trouble on every side, he knows exactly what we are and he knows exactly what we're going through. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, so much for this passage of Scripture, Lord. We can learn so much from it, Lord. David was facing the day with trouble on every side. Lord, we have days like that. We have days we get up in the morning, there's pain, emotional pain sometimes, sometimes physical pain. Sometimes, Lord, we are deceived by people. And, Lord, sometimes we get, uh, people make mockery of us. And other times people uh, betray us, Lord. It happens. And many other things that people do, Lord. But we thank you, Lord, that you are there. You love us. Thank you, Lord, for friends and family and church family we can go to in moments like that. Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name. Amen.